Hey guys, thank you for incorporating the continuation of um, imperialism in Africa into your notes. Um, we are going to continue with um, imperialism and we're going to start today with Southern Africa. We're going to do a quick, excuse me, quick review of you know, the, what the British were up to during the Napoleonic Wars. If you recall, Napoleon was never able to invade and successfully invade England and, and um, even after Napoleon the Brits were focusing on industrialization and, of course, taking over the world. Um, so during um, the early, early, early 1900s, like 1899, 1902, the Brits established themselves in South Africa and took control of Cape Town. What I need you to know is that originally this area was controlled by the Dutch, and the Dutch here were referred to as the Afrikaners or the Boers. And... Um, basically, there's going to be, what we're going to unleash is, is issues between the Afrikaans and um, the British. Um, in the early 1800s, 1830s, the British abolished slavery in the Cape Colony and established racial equality before the law. Again, that will change as well. Um, the, <clears throat> excuse me, eventually what's going to happen is um, an issue over race in terms of both Afrikaans, both the British want more territory, and the Great Trek will begin, which is going to be the pushing of um, black people into Africans into the interior of South Africa. For the next 30 years, the Afrikaans and the British settles, settlers reach a kind of mutually advantageous division of Southern Africa, meaning um, the British get to keep Cape Colony and the coast. Um, and the Afrikaans, they have the uh, Republic of the Orange Free State. You can see on the map if you're following along. Unfortunately for the Afrikaans, and, you know, the unfortunately, biggest unfortunate for the black Africans, the Brits are going to keep moving up and into uh, Boer territory. At first, the Boers respond passively. Um, um, that, <laughs> that won't last for long. Um, 1867, if you recall what's going on in Europe, we're in the middle of the European revolutions, 1867, Austria became Austria-Hungary, so all this is happening, when all that mess is happening up in Europe. Um, in 1867, there's the discovery of rich deposits of diamonds and, and in gold, and this is going to absolutely revolutionize the southern African economy, as you can imagine. Extraction of minerals, uh, massive amounts of uh, deep foreign investments. Um, I want to introduce a man to you. His name is Cecil Rhodes. Um, Cecil Rhodes, um, he started um, De Beers Company, and De Beers is a company that still exists today. Um, and he basically will monopolize the world's diamond industry. Um, the white people will have the high-paying jobs, um, and the African blacks will have the very, very dangerous jobs. Um, there's a movie called Blood Diamond made a long time ago, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, that talks about the the dark, seedy side of diamond extraction. Naturally, as you can imagine, the British want more. Um, Cecil Rhodes is considered, you know, the ultimate British imperialist. Um, and um, he then moves into Rhodesia, which today is Zimbabwe, and met with the king of Rhodesia and um, had the king sign what is called the Rudd Concession. 
the king I believe this was you know allowing some Brits to come in um, for extraction of gold and diamonds um, but what he didn't know is basically he signed away his country to um, Cecil Rhodes so that's a little tricky um, I also want to introduce to you the Maxim gun um, the Maxim gun is excuse <coughs> me Precursor was the Gatlin gun, which was a hand-driven crank-operated gun. Maxim basically harnesses the recoil power of each bullet. Um, this gun need only one barrel to fire all bullets automatically. Um, in addition, um, smokeless powder. Um, Herman Maxim um, founded the Maxim Gun Gun Company in England in 1884. Um, in 1889, he licensed it to the British Army. Um, and then by, this is naturally going to spread throughout Europe. The reason why I'm telling you this is because we are on the eve of World War I. Um, and the, um, in 1896, uh, the company is bought by Vickers um, Company. And Max became the head of this. And the Vickers machine gun became the standard issue during World War I. World War I is sometimes referred to as the machine gun war. Um, Maxim died um, on November 24th, 1916. This is right before the Battle of the Somme, which we'll talk about. The Battle of the Somme, over a million soldiers fell in four months to machine guns. So kind of a cruel irony um, with that, but really, really important in the, in the um, 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 the First World War. So now going into um, the Second Boer War, and also I, I'm looking at this and I realized um, if you go back, the term commando came about during the First Boer War, which was between the English and the Brits, and basically the term commando evolves from this early defense system that the Boers used, and basically each assembly that they formed with officers and wards and leaders were referred to as commandos. And so that word, you know, it's a, that's a great history of that word that I want you to know. Also, the Boers did not wear uniform. This was a truly citizen army where the entire white male population between 16 and 60 years um, were, were used or were utilized, uh, mobilized. Um, basically, the end of this, um, the end of the First Boer War was, um, you know, a, a, a British win. And then we're going to go into our <coughs> our second Boer War, excuse me. And um, this is going to be 1899 to 1902. And many historians refer to this as a total war. Uh, the British used scorched earth strategy. They basically wanted to destroy the Boer land. Um, you know, hope to starve the commando groups. Um, they, um, the use of concentration camps were also used. Um, these concentration camps were very different from what we'll talk about when we get to the Second World War. Um, at the end of the day, at the end of this, um, the African blacks were the, were the ones who suffered the most from this. Africans were used, um, black Africans were used. And basically, uh, what we have is, in 1910, the Union of South Africa, um, and it is a joint British Afrikaner government, and... Um, the term um, apartheid is also used. And the apartheid is a very rigid um, segregation between, um, these are terrible terms to use, but white, black, and colored for anyone who is of mixed race. And that is something that we will talk about um, long into May because it has a long lasting effect. Um, 
This is an extremely bloody conflict, appalling treatment, um, atrocities on both sides. Um, and this is going to have a long effect at home, um, which we'll talk about when we get back to Europe. But it's, it's going to be another, another it's going to be an Im- impact on the European front. Just to kind of wrap things up, we talked about the French going into Algeria. We talked about the fly swat incident. If you can't remember that, let me know. Um, a new term I want you to take note of is pied noir, which loosely translates to Blackfoot. And those are many French quote-unquote undesirables like peasants and farmers moved to Algeria because they could kind of like, you know, be the new the new rich in Algeria. And that's really important for the 60s because in, in class I mentioned that Algeria is going to be one of the countries that's a really bloody revolution and they're part of that. Next, I want to talk about Barbary pirates. Um, the Barbary states are a collection of North African states that, um, you know, kind of are breaking away from the Ottoman rule. And um, they, they, you know, they practiced, you know, state-sponsored piracy. And um, basically, by this point, they choose not to go after the British and the French because of their superior boats. Um, but, you know, America is this brand new country without really a navy. So, um um, the first U.S. hostage, um, was, um, taken by Barbary pirates, and, um, this then pushed America, um, to, um, basically create the U.S. Navy, and, um, so that's really fascinating if you think about it, um, kind of the, 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 where, where our our Navy came about, so 1794, I know I'm going kind of backwards, but just so you have an idea, you know, we have our first ships right before the War of 1812, which is kind of cool. Um, Lastly, Tunisia, it was proclaimed as a French colony in 1881, um, and part of that was to stop the Barbary pirate raids. Um, Italy also wanted Tunisia, um, uh, if you look at the proximity, um, Basically, um, Otto von Bismarck described Italy as a jackal with rotten teeth. He didn't um, respect the Italians. He didn't respect, you know, their lack of industrialization after unification. Um, and so as a result, you know, since Bismarck is kind of running the game with, with the um, scramble for Africa, France got to keep Tunisia and not Italy. Um, and Ethiopia, basically, Ethiopia is the only, um, the Italians go into Ethiopia and it is the only successful African push up against the um, uh, um, Europeans. Emperor Menelik, the emperor of Ethiopia, he is able to industrialize and keep his troops together and keep the Italians out. However, that will change. Thank you for your time. I will see you in class.